The Adventures of Bodo and Rowan Brockhouse. Chapter 2 A Bale of Twelve Turtles, in which Bodo relates his first adventure with Rowan. It's a well-known fact that hobbits love birthday parties, and Bodo and Rowan Brockhouse of Number 2 Pleasant Street, Daisy Glen, the Shire, were no exception. They took great delight in using a small portion of their considerable wealth gathered during their legendary adventures beyond the Shire to throw lavish birthday celebrations for not only their birthdays, but for those of the children of Daisy Glen. So it was on that particularly lovely summer day, the air soft with the smell of wildflowers and a late summer rain, Bodo and his wife Rowan sat side by side at a rough-hewn table under the Daisy Glen festival tree, handing out gifts to an excited group of children in celebration of the birthday of little Holly Brandybuck, daughter to Daisy Glen's banker, Wyther. Here you are, Marigold, a sturdier toy wagon. Perhaps this one will survive a little better than your last one, Bodo said with a chuckle as he handed the brightly colored toy to a giggling little girl. Thank you, Master Brockhouse, she said and gave a charming little curtsy before running off to show her friends, brown curls bouncing. Rowan leaned close to Bodo and whispered into his ear, Halford next, I think, Turtle, and she glanced towards a rather somber-looking young hobbit who sat quietly at the end of the table. Bodo nodded and called out, Halford, my lad, I have something quite special for you. Halford looked over towards Bodo, his wide-set green eyes peering from behind an unruly mop of hair. Me, sir, he said quietly, his face registering surprise. Halford was newly arrived to Daisy Glen, his Aunt Wyther taking him in after the tragic death of his parents. Bodo, all but an orphan himself, had worked diligently on Halford's gift, wanting to make him feel welcome. Of course you, Bodo said, with a broad smile and a welcoming gesture. The young hobbit got up, walked over and stood shyly in front of Bodo and Rowan, giving sidelong glances to the other children who watched in eager anticipation. Bodo reached under the table and produced a small wooden shield with a gold and red sigil carved into it. That, my lad, is the sigil of the men of Bree, Bodo said, as he handed it to the wide-eyed young hobbit. Bodo leaned in close and said in a low conspiratorial tone, Only the bravest and most stalwart may bear that sigil, young Halford. And then Rowan reached out, brushed the tangle of bangs away from Halford's forehead, and placed a gentle kiss there. Make sure you earn it, just like Bodo did. Halford blushed crimson and smiled. I will, mistress, he said breathlessly, and turned to show his gift to the other children, who ooed and awed. Did you really earn the respect of the men of Bree, Master Brockhouse? asked Halfast Goodbody, son of the local healer. Bodo thumbed a generous portion of pipeweed into his long clay pipe and said, I suppose I did after a fashion. Bree is where Rowan and I began our adventures after leaving the Shire. And with this revelation, all of the children began to press him to tell them about one of their adventures. Bodo clamped his pipe between his teeth and said around it, No, no, this is Holly's day. But Rowan nudged him with a shoulder and said in a laughing tone, Oh, go on, love. 
Why not tell them about the turtles? And all the children giggled because they knew that turtle was what Rowan called him. Bodo rolled his eyes at their insistent reminders that he had promised to tell them a story last time. He sighed heavily. Very well. And he began. So you'll remember from my last story, I had decided to go off with Bunny here. Bodo gave his wife a look and the children giggled. To pursue adventures in the wide world. Despite the protests of everyone I knew, I gathered what little savings I had, packed what I could fit into a small pack, slung my hammer in my belt, took up my best walking stick, and set off to meet Rowan at the Waymeet. I saw her there, sitting on the old stones of the Waymeet, dangling her pretty feet, the sun bouncing off her startling auburn highlights. And when she smiled at my approach, every, no good would come of this, Bodo, and, Mark my words, this will end in tears. I heard before I left was wiped away. And all I knew was that I would follow this wild beauty all the way to Minas Tirith itself, if she asked. Hello, turtle, she said as she jumped off the stones. I was wondering if you would actually come. I shrugged diffidently. Of course I was coming. It just took a bit to arrange things. One doesn't go off into the wide world every day, you know. She laughed her musical laugh and said, I know, isn't it exciting? Shall we make a start then? If we set a good pace, we can make it to stock before nightfall. The golden perch would be a delight to stay at on our first night. And she took my hand, gave me a peck on the cheek, and pulled me eagerly onto the ancient cobbles of the Great East Road. We passed that day talking and getting to know each other a little better and trying to keep a steady pace. But we kept running into people I knew who were traveling between Hobbiton and Mickle Delving. And of course, I had to introduce Rowan and explain what I was doing on the road with a traveling pack and a walking stick. This slowed us considerably and we had only made it to Bywater before it became too late to travel further. Well, I said, the Green Dragon is a fine inn. Why not pass our first night there? Rowan agreed, and we had a lovely night there, supping well and enjoying the fine ale before retiring to the rooms I had procured from the tavern keeper, Barmy Rootnot. I was startled awake the next morning by Rowan banging on my door. Come on, Turtle! The sun's been up for simply hours! I looked around the room blearily and called out, Coming, coming, but please stop banging. I was slightly the worse for wear from the ale the night before, but quickly dressed and gathered my things. I opened the door, and Rowan was standing there, her arms crossed and giving me a mock scowl. Am I going to have to do this every morning? She said before kissing me on the cheek and handing me a small bundle and a skin of water. No time for breakfast, I'm afraid. Here are some hard rations. This will have to do until we get to stock. And she turned and made for the door. No time for breakfast, I thought as I hurried after her. That was perhaps the most unhobbit-like thing I had ever heard, and started to wonder if I had fallen in with one of the elf folk. She turned at the door and asked, Are you coming? Giving me another dazzling smile which once again made me abandon all doubts. Yes, yes, coming, I said, and hurried a mouthful of hard rations. 
Our travels from Bywater to Stock went quicker, as I really didn't have any acquaintances that far east. But the day was a bit dreary, with a light but steady drizzle. Rowan's spirit was undampened by this, and mine were lifted as she told me about Breetown. Oh, Turtle, it's magnificent, she said brightly. I can't wait for you to see it. We passed our second night in stock at the Golden Perch, dining and talking, and it was that night that I learned that she was of fallow hide descent, which I said explained her fair hair and her sense of adventure. She smiled at me secretly over her mug of ale and said, You may act the Harfoot, Master Brockhouse, but I suspect there's more than a little tookishness in you. Why else would you be here right now? That's as may be, I responded, but the Harfoot in me is beginning to worry about the state of our coin. In fact, two nights in inns had depleted our resources, and I told her I was worried that when we reached Bree, we would have to do with a stable, or worse, sleep rough. Don't worry about that, she said dismissively. There's always work to be had in Bree. We reached Bree Town the next day and passed the West Gate, with both of our purses sadly depleted. I doubt we'll be able to afford this dancing pony inn you've spoken so much about, I said sadly. Rowan laughed. Prancing pony, you silly. But don't despair. See those handbills on the post there? I bet one of them will offer just the solution. So under the curious gaze of the big folk in Bree, we leafed through the posted bills when Rowan exclaimed, Seek Mandrake? Why, I know him. Bodo, this is just the thing. Rowan led me through the streets of Western Bree to Sig Mandrakes. I was agog at the tall wood and stone buildings, and then all the hustle and bustle of the big folk in what was apparently a dwarven-run marketplace beyond what Rowan told me was the Ironmonger's Gate. I was fascinated by the produce for sale, and Rowan had to pull me away from one stand run by a rather severe-looking dwarf with an eye patch. Sig's shop is just at the end of the market, Turtle. Let's hurry before he finds someone else for his job. Mandrake's finest stews and sauces was a cozy shop and home at the end of the market road. Rowan! Sig exclaimed as we edged past the enormous hound lounging on the steps into his rooms. What brings you to Bree? And who's this likely-looking hobbit with you? Hello, Sig, Rowan replied. This is my friend Bodo Brockhouse. Bodo, allow me to introduce Sig Mandrake. At your service, sir, and your families, I replied politely. Speaking of service, Rowan broke in, I understand you have a job. Bodo and I are here to apply. Sig's eyebrows raised. Is the tailoring business that slow? he asked. No, it's just that Bodo and I are off on an adventure and our funds are a bit low. We could use the work. Sig shrugged. Well, if you're interested, I've come into the possession of an order for a large batch of turtle soup. Normally this wouldn't be a problem, but the desired recipe is most specific about the sort of turtles that can be used. Not just any turtle will do. They must be tiny turtles, and these are only found at very specific locations and he handed Rowan a drawn map. Hail Catch Lake, Rowan nodded. 
I know it well. Come on, turtle. Let's catch some turtles. As we ran out of Sig's shop, he called after us. Oi, watch out for the Nika beakers. Rowan, I huffed as I ran alongside her through the streets and out the south gate of Bree. What exactly is a Nika beaker? Well, they're a kind of big, um, bug, she said, an odd tone in her voice. Don't worry, though. They're not as big as the longtooths. Longtooths? Sig didn't say anything about longtooths, I replied. It's not a problem, honestly, she answered. We just need to make a stop. Hello, Bluebell. Good to see you, Rowan said as we approached a fellow hobbit at a camp of rather rough-looking big folk and hobbits outside of Bree. Rowan, the female hobbit said. How are you, love? And how's your family? I'm fine, Rowan answered. Bodo, allow me to introduce Bluebell Hornblower, the finest weapons merchant in all of Breeland. Bluebell, this is my friend Bodo. At your service, madam, and your families, I said. Bluebell gave Rowan a narrow-eyed, suspicious look. All right, what is it you want, Rowan? Rowan looked offended. Why would I want something? Can't I just visit an old family friend? Bluebell put her hands on her hips and rolled her eyes. Finest weapons merchant indeed. Whenever you hand out compliments like that, you want something. So, out with it. Rowan looked rather sheepish and said, Well, we could use a couple of weapons, just to borrow, mind you. Bluebell nodded. I thought as much. Well, I suppose a loan will be okay. A bow for you, I suppose, yes? And what about your friend? Rowan thought for a moment and said, A hammer, I think. Bodo's a woodworker, so he'll know how to use that. But I interrupted by taking Rowan's elbow and pulling her aside as politely as I could, whispering, Rowan, why do we need weapons? I thought you said these Nika whatever weren't a problem. Rowan whispered back, They aren't a problem if you have weapons. And that little hammer of yours, and she indicated the small hammer I had slung at my waist, won't do the trick. She turned back to Bluebell, who already had a bow, a small quiver of arrows, and a rather impressive-looking long-handled hammer laid out and ready for us. Thanks ever so much, Bluebell, Rowan said, scooping up the bow and quiver and slinging them around her shoulder with a surprisingly experienced air. I took up the hammer and tucked it into my belt alongside my own. As we turned and headed towards the nearby lake, Bluebell called after us, Bring them back whenever it's convenient! As we approached the lake through the tall grass, we heard a snuffling and rustle from somewhere nearby. Rowan stopped, crouched down, indicating with her hand that I should do the same, and putting her finger to her lips. As we knelt, Rowan knocked an arrow and began to scan around us, muttering, Come on, I know you're there. And suddenly, a huge wild pig with wicked-looking tusks came barreling towards us out of a nearby clump of bushes. I cried out in alarm and fell over backwards, trying to scramble away. I heard Rowan's bowstring thrum, a terrible dying squeal, a brief silence, and then Rowan's footsteps in the grass. I looked up to see her smiling down at me and extending a hand. See, I told you, no problem. I took her offered hand and then we walked up to the slain pig. 
an arrow embedded deeply in its chest. Rowan put a foot on the pig and retrieved the arrow. I stood there, open-mouthed, with a clear look of shock on my face, and started to ask, How? When? Why? But Rowan just smiled and said matter-of-factly, Shall we find some turtles now? In the time it took us to find the turtles, Rowan killed four more pigs like that, and I managed several of the Nika beakers myself, which were frightening, but not terribly hard to kill with my new hammer. As we walked away from the lake with our sack of turtles, Rowan stopped at the first pig we had killed. Grab one leg, she said to me. Let's see if Bluebell will trade this for the weapons. Which Bluebell did gladly, saying, A very nice haunch, Rowan. We always could count on your hand with a bow for the night's meal. We walked quietly back to Bree and Sig Mandrakes, my mind spinning with questions. Who was this mysterious hobbit? How did she know so many people in Bree? And how did she become so proficient with a bow? Rowan stopped inside the south gate, turned to me, and took both my hands in hers. Bodo, I know you must be wondering a lot of things about me right now. Yes, I am very good with a bow, and I do know a great many people of many walks of life in Breeland and beyond. I promise I will answer all your questions in time, but know this for now. And she leaned forward, kissed me warmly, and then whispered in my ear, I love you, Turtle, and you will always be safe with me. All the children sitting around Bodo and Rowan were staring at Rowan with wide eyes and open mouths in disbelief and awe. And then, abruptly, a voice came from the crowd of adults standing behind the children who had listened to the story as well. Do you mean for us to believe that you earn the respect of the men of Bree by killing turtles? Bodo looked up, took a puff from his clay pipe, and said with a grin and a wink to the children, Turtles, and a good many other things, Mistress Cranesbill, but those are stories for another day. We hope you enjoyed listening to Chapter 2 of The Adventures of Bodo and Rowan Brockhouse, a special feature by the creators of The Half-Hill Report. This is a work of fan fiction based on J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, and the game Lord of the Rings Online. All place names, character names, accepting the original names in this work, and music are the exclusive property of Middle Earth Enterprises, a division of the Saul Zantz Company, and Standing Stones Games, LLC. No copyright or trademark infringement is intended.